lads, we're here. Hello. Uh podcast day, and it's a special one because Alexander Baumgartner is here. Bomber, how are you? Great. There's three of you now. Yeah, yeah dang. I think that's only happened one time when I was here. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we we rotated. Disappear. Yeah. Yes. Alex uh, Baumgartner, a friend, not Isaac Howard. No, okay, yeah, no. okay. Apparently, apparently his draft one year hasn't been very good. I saw people going on about a Twitter, but you know, I think he's an NCAA guy. I, I don't know. Um, one of the best, wasn't he been like Star Wars music when he got picked? Man, he's a rock star, kind of like our friend Adam, Adam, Adam. We were there, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm trying to double check yeah. with you. I don't remember 2015 <laughs> draft, they kept playing the Pirates of the Caribbean music for no reason. I think Hannafin <laughs> got drafted, and then you just heard. Like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, what is going on? You know what, man? Oh, my God. All right, Alex, our good friend Bomber from Five Reasons Sports. I got to remember to call you Bomber because we have another Alex, which is always awkward. Um, Obviously, you cover the floor of the Panthers, and they hosted the All-Star Weekend. You were there. You covered it. Just take us through your week. That week, I should say. Um, I didn't sleep for six days. <laughs> None of us did. I, I was lucky. The... Uh, some of the other people like that were really like running the event. Didn't sleep for like two weeks, but um, yeah, I can't complain. I had a nice little sunburn. Still do have a little bit on my face, but it's mostly my arms right now. But in terms of the actual coverage, I flew in Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Did I, do I did. I went to a high school to talk to kids about sports, and then I went to the panthers practice thing to see the alumni game which is really cool we didn't really watch a lot of the game but we got some good sound hits keith yandel's a beauty uh brian boyle was there patty marlowe can still snap the biscuit he's still he could probably still play another year in the nhl pierre turgeon was rapid rapid on the ice um emily kaplan and jessica blaylock were the two coaches so that was pretty cool that wasn't an official all-star event, but it was kind of like a Panthers thing that the, they hosted for kind of like the fans. It was a charity thing. So mm-hmm. raised a lot of money for the Panthers charity. Thursday is when the real fun got started. Uh, 10 a.m. I'm on Fort Lauderdale Beach walking on the street because they're on the road because there's no sidewalks. They blocked off all the sidewalks. I'm trying to find the media entrance for this fan event. I get there an hour and a half before the fans are there. So I was kind of just walking around the beach, like fan festival for almost two hours and it was empty. So that was fun. Got a lot of free bio steel. Sunburn was terrible. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, I was there for like five hours at the beach. Somehow walked into that slap shot competition, splash shot competition. I didn't know what was happening. Someone's like, hey, come come with us. So I'm sitting with all these media guys and I'm like, what is going on? All of a sudden, eight NHL players walk out. P.K. Subban and Kevin Weeks are talking to a camera. I'm like, are we in the middle of an all-star event right now? <laughs> someone someone told me, like, you can take pictures and you can record, but you cannot tweet anything. I'm like, I, w- I was eating a sandwich. I'm like, I thought we were just here to hang out. I didn't know there was an all-star event happening. No one told me that. <laughs> so somehow I was in the splash shot event for an hour without knowing where I was. And then I kind of clued in what was happening. I'm like, oh, it's like one of those events where they'll have during the skills competition, like they did in Vegas with the Bellagio thing. Yeah. Had no clue for 35 minutes where I was. I was just kind of watching. I just want to point out before Bomber keeps going here that the Thursday, Friday, I remember I was in class and Bomber's just like, guess what? And for some reason, I had a missed call from Florida. I'm like, what just happened? 
You were talking to PK Subban. I was so cons- I was so confused. Not to mention on the Friday, I want to remind you guys. Anyone who doesn't remember where we all normally live, you know, GTA area. I think it went down to minus twenty. Yeah, Bombers yeah. there. What, how? What was the temperature in Florida that day, buddy? X. Said you, son. I hate you so much. I just you lucky bastard. Oh, you um, should have heard the Toronto media bragging about how cold it was in Toronto. Oh, that's so was, Canadian. And how reason. warm it was where we were. They were loving. They were loving the beach. Oh yeah. So the thumbnail of this video, Alex already has it ready. Alex, why don't you tell Bomber what it is? It, it, I feel like we got to ask him about <laughs> this specific moment. So. I I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday, but the Kings had posted the uh, photo of Kevin Fiala, and I'm looking at this photo, and I'm like, I, I and I re- I noticed you. I'm like, that's that's the best picture I've ever seen. You're just just staring at Kevin Fiala, but like it, it, in the moment, it looks like you're like just admiring him. It's such a it's such a perfect photo. See, so this is what happened. First of all, I saw the picture on Twitter, but it wasn't from the Kings. It was from okay. some California Twitter account with okay. like 10 followers. I'm like, oh, why is there a picture of me and Fiala? Like I knew I knew there's Paul. Like I was in a couple other pictures, but the thing with Fiala was, as you guys know, I am Swiss. So I was really wanting to talk to Fiala a little mm-hmm. bit during Media Day. Media Day, West goes first and the East. Everyone's lined up. It's kind of like Super Bowl media day, NBA media day, whatever. <clears throat> I'm waiting. I fi- like, I see the LA reps walk out. So I sit in front of Fiala's uh, booth and I'm waiting. I'm like waiting because I was at a couple others. Like Carlson's had like 15 people and Stevenson had about 10. I'm like, okay, where are the Fiala guys? Kevin sits down. I'm like, hey, Kevin. I turn. There's no one from LA to talk. I turn to my left. There's no one from like NHL Network, SiriusXM. I'm like, am I the only one in this scrum? <laughs> so I, I lead off the questions and I like, there's no one there. So I keep talking and talking and talking. I don't know what me and Kevin were looking at because he turned and I was looking in the same way at something. But it looks like I'm staring at him. <laughs> I'm looking at whatever was in the distance. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like this. Because he was laughing at something, too, and I cannot yeah. tell you what we were laughing at, but we were looking at – I know what it was. We, the, the background was a beach. Media Day was on the beach, like outdoors. I said, Kevin, have you – I think this is what it was. I said, Kevin, have you ever had a media thing like this? I mean, look at the beach, and he turned. That's what it was. Now I remember <laughs> what it was. I was. I asked, like, six players if they've ever – I asked Feshnikov and Hughes and – I'm like, you ever had a media availability like this? And they were all like, nah, this is amazing, right? That's what happened. Now I know what happened. Was it Donald or Mike who was like, find someone who looks at you? It was Mike. It's a picture-perfect moment. I love like, it. It, yeah. it couldn't be a better it couldn't be a better taken photo, to be honest. Well, they also like I go on the King's Instagram, I'm like, yeah. I'm on their Instagram. Then I go to their <laughs> stories and they're filming me having a one-on-one with Kevin. So you see the back of my head and my tattoo yeah. and the phone case. And you just hear me say Switzerland. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's uh, who of, of the guys you got to talk to, who did you, enjoy, outside of Kevin Fiala, because I think that's going to be your answer. But yeah. 
who's the, the guy you most enjoyed getting to talk to or doing a scrum with? So I won't I won't include the Panthers guys just because I talked Good. to Chuck and Barkov pretty frequently and they like they know like they'll see my face they know i'm one of the local guys obviously yeah i did enjoy talking i only talked to sveshnikov for like two seconds i asked him like two things really funny guy like really cool guy i thought he was hilarious but david pasternak was the best one no question about it um i pasta was funny because he shows up in this like ocean inspired like suit with like black it's not pearls but it looked like pearl necklace like black beads white t-shirt he looked like he just came from a club on south beach right you know sunburn he's crunching a bio steel i'm like just talking about like the like who's the worst dress on the bruins <laughs> like who's the best dress on the bruins he said connor clifton can't dress but uh yeah pasternak was hilarious he loves south florida he loves the sun i can tell you that he was loving it so basically, what you're saying is he's oh. not returning in Boston. He's coming. <laughs> he's going to oh, Florida. <laughs> a lot of players, a lot of players enjoyed the weather. Yeah, I'll tell you that, and they're not going to enjoy Toronto next year because it's going to no. be negative 15 because yeah. the polar vortex always comes during All Star Weekend. So let me ask you this: We've had obviously it's been a real big problem getting NHLers to actually go to the All Star game for a couple of years now. Um, I want to say this is like one of the first ones where we had, I don't think we had anyone pull out. We no had guys miss it to, to injury. Um, stupid question here. How much did the weather play into that? Oh, like a hundred percent. I made a joke the next day and I said, people are going to randomly start getting groin injuries a week before the all-star game next year. That usually happens. Or they just refuse yeah. to play. Remember Ovechkin just like. The, the, the problem yeah, with that play. is. The problem with that is you'll get suspended, and then they'll yeah. like Washington. Might, I don't know if Washington still paid him, but you're supposed to, the NHL suspends you, right? So like, no. I don't think you can get paid if you're suspended by the league. I don't know how that works, but yeah. Anyway, before we go to the skills competition, because I really want to ask about yeah, this. yeah. Okay, skills competition at home wasn't the best to watch. Uh, we'll put it like this. Weird pacing type stuff. A lot of, you know, breaking up. Okay, fastest skater, second rounds later. Accuracy shooting had different rounds. Um, the breakaway challenge was broken up very weirdly and very awkward. Um, you know, events we talked about earlier in this year, the Montreal Canadiens home opener is getting a lot of crap because it was going on for so long. And uh, obviously I went to and I made the point of it's for the guys in the arena. From an in-arena point of view, how was the skills competition? I'll tell you right now, the skills competition was made for TV. It wasn't made for people in the arena. Well, that's not good. <laughs> oh, no. What was oh, yeah. I, there, like I said, I had no clue what was happening. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, they do the fastest skater, but we're going to wait till later for the final. Like, all right. Then Marner, I think Marner came out first for the breakaway challenge. Like, okay, cool. We're going to get, like, all of them coming out at once. No. I didn't realize until we were in the post skills competition scrum that the Sydney Crosby Ovechkin and Mini Ovi thing was part of the breakaway challenge. I didn't know. I had no clue. So, what was it like for the Tendy tandem challenge? Because that was confusing. That was the only one that was like consecutive. So I was so drawn into it. Right? Did they explain it to the crowd? 
I, they explained it, but I, like you kind of just figured it out. Like, okay, if if there's a three on O and he misses the three on O, then it's three points for the the other team. And then if you hit the net, it's like a point. But if you get it in, it's three. I don't really know what was happening. You've remembered more than I. All did. I know is that um, I was gonna. I think it was Saros and Hellebuck won. I think they did. Yeah. I, the only reason I know that is because I wrote, like, the quickest article of my life. I'm like, here are the winners. Here's what happened. And I, I remember putting Hellebuck and Sorrow somewhere, some something. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to the next things, I just want to know from a true Florida man, for Mitch Marner, Miami Vice, overplayed or just right in terms of – I liked play? it. Yeah? You don't – my generation didn't grow up on Miami Vice, but some of the older ones did. I mean – Coming out with the Crockett fit, it just seemed right. I liked it. And he had the whole vice theme. He had the white skates during the skills and then the black vice skates during um during the game. I mean, the hat I'm wearing is vice colors. Like, Miami loves their vice colors. You go to Ocean Drive, that's exactly what it looks like. So I think Marner, I think the shot was terrible. But yeah. also, what are you going to do? Do like a triple Michigan spin around between the legs on Luongo? I don't think you're going to do that. No, man, I, that it's. I'm disappointed that it was worse in person than it was on TV because the build up to the the build up to the All Star Weekend was oh we're gonna try all these new things it's gonna be super cool and it feels like it flopped it like it do would you agree with that like do you feel like that it was ju- it it flopped a bit. The, like not from a player's perspective, because obviously it's in Florida. I'm sure they, as you said, they they loved it. But from a fan's perspective, was it a bit of a flop? I think everything worked in the All Star Weekend except the skills. Um, I think the skills haven't been good, like a great product in like eight <laughs> nine years, something like that. Like I think 09 Montreal was one that I really remember because Kovalev did the pancake flip with the puck on his back, and mm-hmm. you know you had Ovechkin and Malkin do the like the uh, the Canada hat with the flag. Like those were cool, right? Um, I I think the accuracy shooting was probably the most fun event just because you see McDavid go eight for eight and still not make it. And the hardest shot was pretty cool because you saw Patterson, you know, go one o three or something but um the game the actual all-star game was good because they were kind of like kachuk was really trying so i i think the actual game was pretty competitive like the final at least because they were kind of going at it for a while the skills i i think the entire weekend was good because Mm -hmm. the fan fest and the cup on the beach and like all these events and like i like the splash shot i thought the golf thing was pretty cool I think it's even cooler that uh, Suzuki has free Chipotle for a year and there's no Chipotle in Montreal. Maybe Um, maybe we'll lend it to Caulfield while he's recovering. Yeah, and just in in terms of the skills competition, it was okay. I don't think I've been blown away with any skills competitions in years, though. So it's like, it's kind of whatever for me. Here's something I want to mention because we held off on talking about the all-star game as much as possible when we recorded before you came on in our last episode, you mentioned McDavid. So the, the way they broke it up for anyone who didn't see is obviously the first round of everyone does their attempts dry sidle for like the second in the year in a row, for some reason just can't do well at accuracy shooting. 
despite being a 50 goal scorer. So McDavid goes sub 10, goes four for four, right? But then they do this stupid thing with like the final four go on later. And then the finals is head to head. Now the final, I thought it was the, Semi the semis final. were head to head and so was the finals. So McDavid and Kadri both go four for four. Kadri, no, Kadri was, went four for five. Did no. he go four for five? Oh, so McDavid was just that slow. It's because McDavid fumbled the puck a bit and then he corralled it and then shot it. Kadri was just whipping the pucks. So Kadri beats McDavid for that anyway. Then Brock Nelson wins the whole thing because it's Brock goddamn Nelson somehow. Um, even though McDavid had the best score overall. See, I remember the last time they did a tournament style for it, and I think it was kind of dumb. That's just me, though. Um, I, I think the I think the accuracy shooting has always been time based, though. Like as as far as I can remember, so even if it wasn't head to head, Kadri s- still would have had the faster time than McDavid. It was never four for four, eight for eight, whatever it is. I think it was always who can hit the targets the quickest. But just what I mean is McDavid's first go was the best overall of the yeah. day. That's what I mean. It's like yeah. he had the best score. And it was like if it was any other year, he would have won normally, which was just it just it was kind of silly. Um But it's the same thing with like the fastest skater, right? Like say Sveshnikov blew a tire in round two in the final and Fiala coasted. Sveshnikov could have finished with the fastest time. It's kind of just like tournament style, just to get more reps in, I guess. What was um? I'm trying to remember what I was about to mention. Um, oh, you know when you just completely lose it. Um, not all fast. Do you guys think they need to change fastest skater at all to zest it up? Because I don't know about you guys, but every time I see them turn, I get so terrified. And I think the only time we've ever seen uh, Makar wiped out wasn't mm-hmm. that bad. But the only other time I think we see someone fall was Haskinen, the year that Kendall Coin Skullfield was part of it. Do you think they need to change any of the events, guys, to sort of get a bit more zest into it? And ignore Breakaway because I want to talk about that later because I love that event and I didn't like it this year. Massive downfall from last season, I'll say. Um, I think it's a pace for me. Like, just, you know, I'm only seeing this from TV, but just how everything was being introduced because it did feel like there was a bit of lag or it was not coherent with what everything was going on like you know the final would be here or it's like even the announcers too are like oh we're going to get to this next segment but then it doesn't get right to it by the way I'm sorry but my mom is being very loud watching <sighs> the Habs game and I've just heard her say I believe Alex Belzio just got his first <sighs> career NHL goal at 31 years old Okay. Um, so, so I thought I like I thought I was very aloof. Like, I thought I like I said something that's like that doesn't make sense, Daniel. Like, no, I was trying to focus because okay. I'm like, okay, are they going to say anything before I jump back in? But then I just hear Good. my mom scream and I'm like, yeah. That's not good. Um, so nothing. Oh, what are the shots right now? Bomber. Eight to zero, Montreal. It makes no sense. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. like when that's like when Buffalo had four shots. 35 minutes into the game. Yes. <laughs> right, I have Luka in fantasy, so I'd appreciate if you didn't mention that. Thank you very much, um, sir. Please. You know Buffalo had four shots for 35 yes, minutes. Yes, I watched that. Brutal. I saw it. You I saw it watch. show up. And that's then Will Christophos be like, I give him a pass. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but I don't. Scrubs. Brutal. Uh, brutal. It's funny you mentioned the game. The Western games were was for the All-Star game. I thought it was a slow start. Atlantic Metro was great. Zested of it. You mentioned the finals. You mentioned Kachuk, both of them. Brady was being a bit nasty with Jack Hughes. Dylan Larkin, too. 
was really trying to get that car. No, what it was, but Dylan Larkin was trying real hard. Is it the thing of Kachuk was doing it because it was the home event? Yeah. Also, I don't think they care about the car, but the MVP does get a nice bonus on top. I'm not going to say what it is, but if you guys want to look it up, they get quite a nice little bonus on top of the 100K. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. They don't. Kachuk, I think Kachuk's giving the car to his grandfather, if I'm correct. It was someone in his family that he's giving the Honda Pilot to. Brother, you just got an eight-year deal. Why'd you wait till night? <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, Matthew. Um, uh, even Brady got his deal a couple of yeah. years. Come on, what are you guys? <laughs> you know, I guarantee <laughs> whoever's getting the car already had a car, but now we oh, get yeah, yeah, that's true, Honda too. I'm like, now they get a Honda Pilot. Yeah. Look at uh, look at Adam being mean because someone's being charitable. <laughs> you know, know what he could have done. He could have taken the Honda Pilot to CarMax and sold it, but no, Adam, uh, he's being nice. <laughs> oh, bro, I won't take Look at this now. guy. Listen, I'll keep liking all your tweets at the Panthers uh, getting store that. I'm in the bathroom yesterday, and the Panthers lose 5-3. I get, it's, it's, out, it's like 1 a.m., 12.30 at night. Seven Twitter notifications, all from Adam. <laughs> Dude, that's all I've heard about. It was it was legit just uh, – I, I went through, and I'm like, okay – App score, like, app score, final score, empty net, like. Just I mean, thank you for keeping my Twitter bumping when it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's five tweets. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> listen, man, I have, uh, listen, the hope for that pick being something special is gone, but, you it's, know, I can still, I can still hope. I can still hope that maybe all the Atlantic teams are going to go full send to the deadline and then the Panthers get left in the dust. Why are we happy here? We might as well ask about the Panthers. They get healthy, and it seems like it's going well. Yeah, crazy how the world works, right? <laughs> yeah. Listen, your I I a couple the week before I think it was the early the Monday I think before you went to cover the All Star game, you and I were in the Ven, and we were talking about top European defensemen. I want you to talk about your your Panthers guy. I think I put Forsling at seven. Mm-hmm. It was somewhere like I, I put a good list. Um, I don't remember who I put one. It was if we're doing current, like currently, I put Carlson one right now just for the season he's having. I know I had Headman up there. I think Yossi was five or, or four or five. I had Heiskin mm-hmm. up there. Dalene too. Don't forget. I had Dalene up there. Yeah, I had I had Carl. No order. Dalene, Carlson, Heiskinen, Yossi, Headman. I had someone before Forsling, whoever it is, and then Forsling. I had Forsling at like six, seven. So this will be the last one for me before I throw it over to the guys. Um, if, if there's nothing more reliable on my timeline than either Patrick Talon complaining about the Habs winning a game, uh, or you talking about Brandon Montour, um, we obviously talked about the big loss of Mackenzie Weger last time you were on. I'm pretty sure, and we asked you. You know, I think Alex asked the question of. Who are the guys who are going to step up in place of all these departures on the back end? Um, how important has Brandon Montour been? I told someone before the season started that Forsling and Montour were going to have great years and that they weren't going to miss Uyghur as much as you think. And they said I was crazy and that Uyghur was one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Forsling and Montour are having better years than Uyghur is. And that's just like Mont- Montour has probably been the most consistent defenseman on the Panthers. And I think the most reliable defenseman in shutdown situations has been Gustav Forsling just the whole season. Um, I, they've been huge because 
when you lose a guy who is your number two defenseman in Uyghur, <clears throat> Ekblad needs a new partner. Montar, who was playing in the 5-6 hole last season and the year before, jumps up to the 2-3, sometimes 1-2, and Ekblad's hurt. It's an adjustment time, and it seems like everyone has finally bought in to the kind of hockey they have to play. And you Look, I, I said at the beginning of the season, when you have a guy in Paul Maurice coming in, it's a new system, it's an older coach, he's seen it a lot, a lot more hockey, older hockey than uh, Brunette has, you're losing... Half your team, really. You lose Huberto, you lose Uyghur, Giroux, Marchment, Ben Sherratt. Um, just so many guys are in and out of, the, of from that team you had in the playoffs, right? It's it's an adjustment period. And the Panthers, I think, recently have kind of figured out what they need to do. And a big part of that is how consistent their blue line's been. And Josh Mahura, he just uh, signed a one-year extension under a million dollars. And he was another waiver pickup where he's played every single game. I don't think he's been injured once this season. So I, I think the, the the blue line, which was kind of like the scared, the scary part of the like the um you know what word I'm trying to say? The part where people are questioning a lot mm-hmm. coming into this season has been more consistent than what people thought it was gonna be. Just because Uyghur's not there, but you have, you know, new guys come in and then some of your four or five guys moving up in a two, three year old. So I think that was huge for the Panthers. What's I, I haven't been able to watch as much Florida Panthers hockey. I barely been able to watch as much Leafs hockey. Um, what's different about this team this year? Like I'm more so like, obviously, yeah, you have all these missing pieces, but last year it was Andrew Brunette. This year it's Paul Maurice, arguably very, very different coaches. What's different about these two teams? I think Brunette's team was Brunette was under Quenville for a while. He knew Quenville as a player. He was an assistant under Quenville. I don't. I think he did change a bit from Quenville. The Panthers had the best transition offense in the NHL last year. They were scoring goals like it was nothing. They had the most goals since the 2000s started in NHL history. That was something that can't be replicated. Everything was clicking for them. I think. The Panthers were really good at just flipping a switch last season because they had a lot. They had like 13 comeback wins in the third period, third period slash overtime. It's not like they were playing 60-minute hockey. It's just they were flipping it at the right time, and they were scoring a lot more than um, they were conceding. This season, I think they've been – if we're looking at the last 15 games, and they're still only a couple points out of that last wild card spot after a a tough, rough – you know, first half of the season where Barkov misses eight-something games, Lundell misses eight-something games. You have Alex Lyon playing six straight games at one of your most important times of the season. There's just a lot of injuries. They're playing tighter hockey, I think. Um, There's not a lot of 7-6 games with the Panthers. And you saw that last year, 5-4, five, 6-5, five, 7-6. Six, six. A lot of, I need to score three goals in the third period. They're, they play more of a... I don't want, I don't even think it's a system game, but it's more of a, you know, you, you'll see them putting in more effort on the end boards and they have to battle a little bit more because the transition offense just isn't as explosive as it was last season. They can't just cut dimes through the neutral zone and then score off the rush. It hasn't happened that many times this year. I think it's more of a all around team game in the offensive zone for them. You've mentioned are like, oh, sorry, what? Man. 
defense <laughs> from Paul Maurice. Go ahead, Daniel. Um, you've mentioned already, uh, Bomber, the defense right now this year. Can you tell me more about the goaltending situation? Yeah, it's um, it was you know Bob came in as a starter this year, and then he had maybe a rough patch. Nighter went in for a bit, and then Bob went back in. But Bob has been really, really good for them for most of the season. Um, and it, it's clear that they're running with him because he's the hot guy right now. And I think Bob's playing for at least for regular season, Bob in a Panthers uniform, probably the most calm I've seen him play. There's a lot less um, out of like out of position, soft goals. Bob's giving up this season, whereas last season of the year before you might see that. And it, it is Bob's net right now. Um, the, the team played good against in front of Alex Lyon. Spencer Knight just hasn't had a lot of games. He had a he had an illness, and then he was on IR for a bit. Did a conditioning stint in the AHL. He still hasn't played an NHL game since January, I believe it's eighth in Dallas when they lost. So it is Bob's net right now, and I think the team has full confidence in Spencer Knight. But you know, you ride the goalie that's you know Bob against Colorado last night. Probably could have been three four zero before the Panthers flipped the switch and made it a close game two or three times last night. So I, I think if he can if they make the playoffs and he can play how he's playing now, he can steal a game or two. That's the way he's playing this season. And Bob is the guy until it's proven otherwise this year. Right. And last one for me, I'm I listen, I know they're not guaranteed a playoff spot, but are they we're like 20 days away from the deadline. Are they going to do anything or are they, you think they're just going to stand pat? I think just the way their cap situation and their asset situation is right now, there's only one guy that you would get something for. And it's Denisenko. Mm -hmm. And when Denisenko was called up last month, they liked playing with, they liked him on the team now, he is back in the AHL now, but the way he was playing shows that it was different than any time I've seen Denisenko play where he looks a lot more comfortable in his game at the professional level. But if they had to move anybody, that's probably the only guy you could move to get someone. Um, then I don't think they're going to touch Mackie Samiskovich because he's tearing up Michigan right now. But honestly... Uh, the the cap's gonna there. There's five point something million of dead cap recapture penalty coming off the books next year, as well as Patrick Cornfist is five point three and Radko Gudis has like a two point five mil. They're gonna have cap flexibility in the off season. I think they stand pat. For like you know maybe you pick up a guy for a fourth round pick or something yeah. just for debt, but you they're not gonna have any big swings like some of these other teams are doing in the East. It's not gonna. It just can't happen for the Panthers. Let me beat Adam to it because I think I know what what he wants to say is. Can he offer you a Mike Hoffman or Evgeny Dadnov? Um, they've already <laughs> they've already done their Panthers Come service. On. I don't think that's happening again. How about I? I don't know. I don't, I don't have anyone Ant- else. Keep in mind, Anthony Duclair. Anthony Duclair is probably going to be back in the next week. Yeah. So they are going to get a guy that can put up 25, 30 goals in a full season coming back into their top six. So I don't think the Panthers are going to – the weakest part of the team still might be the defense. And I don't think you see another defenseman come into that organization until the offseason. Can he offer you Joel Edmondson? 
Alex, let me oh, I was going to say that one too. You my bit. Or you'll Armia. Yes. I have to beat you too. You no, no. Sorry, sorry. No, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad on this one. All right. Uh, my last question. <laughs> he, Adam, is, Alex, he's not having it. He's not having it. After the Ben Sherrod, <laughs> I, I get no. spammed about Ben Sherrod every three days from him. It's like oh, ridiculous. join the club. Like, come on, Adam. Like, get over it. You broke up with Brent Sherrod last season. Find it. Find a new favorite player. Oh man, I'm I'm closing the show with it. Go ahead, Daniel. Let the, are there um, anyone? <laughs> all right. My last question is: When everyone is healthy, um, for most realistic ceiling for this team to finish the season, what is it for you? If they got into the playoffs and everybody is healthy, I think conference finals is my realistic ceiling i think i think like this year was more of a getting everyone adjusted to the new system give paul maurice a whole year to implement everything i i at the beginning of the season i didn't think the panthers were going to win the cup now you never know in the nhl first make the playoffs i think their ceiling would be a conference finals appearance just because some of these other teams in the East are like, if say a Carolina adds Timo Meyer, like there, there's, there's a lot of, there's an arms race that's going to happen in the East and it's going to be pretty interesting, but uh Dallas star Stanley cup final. That's my sleeper. Okay. I'm um, sorry. I know I said my last question, but one more follow-up is going into the off season with more cap. Uh, what is your ideal wish list for Florida? I haven't entirely looked too much at who's available in the offseason. Um, Florida's not going to, I don't think they're going to make a big move for a forward. It, it's going to be, first, Bill Zito is going to, um, what's the word, you know, take care of his boys. So what I mean by that is Montour is going to need a raise pretty soon and Forsling. So I think they have two years left on their deal, if I'm not mistaken. So that means they're probably eligible for extensions come this offseason if they're entering the last year of their deal. So I think they sign those guys first because they will take a hometown discount with the state tax discount, everything like that. Then you start shopping around. Cap's gonna cap is gonna continually open up for the Panthers. They're gonna have to sign Anton Lundell pretty soon, and he's probably gonna get a very friendly contract. And I think he's gonna be worth more than what he's going to get paid just because you know when you're playing sometimes third line minutes now he's playing on the first line but for a while he, he can't do what a dylan cousins or a zegris did on teams now buffalo is good this year but you know what i mean right um just you just kind of have to assess your what you have at home and then i would hope they could sign one more defenseman because i don't think mark stall you can't sign Marks all long-term, maybe another one-year deal if they want him back. But other than that, you need to take care of Gudis if you want Gudis back and then go grab one more defenseman on the market. Do they need lefty or righty? Florida, probably another lefty because Montour and Ekblad. So you need one more lefty because Mahara is also a righty, I think. So you have three pretty solid right defensemen and no Adam. It's not happening. <laughs> no, go, go ahead. You guys think you figured me out? Go ahead. Uh, was it David? Who, no, was no, it David on. Savard? No, no, bomber. Go ahead. I'll give you guys oh. who you're going to mention. Not Chris Weidman. Is that what you're going to say? Before you said lefty, yes. <laughs> Anyways, I, I think that's something Adam should bring up on who he How wants. How about a reunion with Mike Matheson, who is good now, 
Can you repeat the question? I didn't hear anything. Sorry. Mike up with Mike Matheson. He's good now. Yeah, but he's also from Montreal. He wants to stay in Montreal, Adam. Come on. With Kent Hughes. He's actually from West Island. You know, good skater, eh? Didn't realize how good his skating was. He was Um, always a good skater. No, I I didn't know. Weird deal. Uh, But yeah, Mike Matheson, Chris Weidman. Sure, you don't want a slightly used um, yeah, Joel Armia. I, I hope you enjoy the fourth overall pick. Man, I want top five. That's all I want. Hold the goal whole year has been top five. I will take it. That's all I want. Mitchkov goes three. You guys have the fourth pick. I'll be okay. I want one of the guys in top five. That's all I want. That's all I want. If you spend the whole year <laughs> wanting Connor Bedard, that's on you, people. Only one team gets him. I'm not going to put a whole 82 games into that one. Last year, I won a top three. I got first reward. I want top well, five. Well, I don't know That's if you it. were rewarded. You wanted Shane Wright. Didn't get him. I don't know. Yeah, but Sapkowski, he's got talent. Oh, okay. it's a project. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Alex, what a, what a round. God damn, what a round. Um. That's it. Bomber. Wait, last question that you got. Bomber, is there anything else you'd like to say? I feel like you want me to say something, and I don't know what to say. No, no, it's the journalism. You're always supposed to have that question. Come on. I'm a fake journalist, so I have nothing to answer. Really funny. Hey, hey, uh, Bomber, what class are you in? Ask this random girl. What class are we going to get? Doesn't even know. <laughs> that, Legit, that is a true story. Did I do that? Yeah, you didn't so know then? what class it was. Like I said, guys, sometimes I don't know what city I'm waking up in. And that's not me. That's not because I'm always on the road. Well, sometimes, but it's because my brain shuts off sometimes. Hey, bomber, you coming to doc survey? Do we have anything to do? I'll oh, come next. That, that was the best class. That we got thirty-five percent due on an assignment. Though. I've showed up a total of three minutes this semester for that class. It's more than most people. Presumably, yeah, I know. Not good. Okay, that's it. Um, uh, bomber, where can they find you? I don't know if my Tumblr is still active, but it is. Go look for it. Twitter, abomgartner91. Gentlemen, we're here. We are. We're still here. Hello. Alex. It, it, yeah, what's up? Daniel. Oh. Super Bowl Reporting Sunday. Oh, I thought you I thought you were going to ask Yes. Me. I thought what? you asked me a question. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Uh, Chiefs. Chiefs, okay. You're asking the wrong guy. I don't know. Um, Okay, so, you know, I like Patrick Mahomes because I think I've mentioned I've always liked the players that come out wanting to watch, wanting to play as a football player, and then they contemplate, oh, should I go to the MLB as well because I'm that talented of an athlete. But I also have a dear friend of the show, Julius Bolita, that he also follows the podcast too. Great guy. Um, He's like a lifelong Eagles fan. I'm like, I can't do this to him. So... I just want them to have fun today. Actually, no. I'll lean towards the Eagles. Okay. Yes, um, okay, I'll pick the Alex, Eagles. Alex, you're the tiebreaker. Uh, I know nothing about football, but... Yeah, well, I don't think any of us here do. I, I'm I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the Eagles. Okay. okay, good. All right. Okay, sweet. Sweet <laughs> Majority rules. There we go. All right. I'll Eagles. let Julius know that the two one on podcast endorses the Philadelphia Eagles and Julius Bolita. Okay. Well, um, God, what are we doing today? Uh, you're hearing this right after we speak to Alexander Baumgartner, um, mm. 
his editing is fun. Uh, so uh, our good friend Alex Baumgartner writes for Five Reason Sports, uh, covered the All-Star game, so he'll give us the insight into all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think we can finally give our thoughts on the All-Star game when we do talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought it was kind of crap, because it always is. Um, anyway. But he always gives us a thousand reasons to listen. Exactly. Okay. And then he'll, I don't know, he'll probably say something about the Panthers or, you know, they're, 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 are they good? Do we say the Panthers are good? They're you know, good. Okay, when I see Bombers awesome. tweets, even when they were going through their losing streak, like this is the most, like, he, he convinces me. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah things are going to turn around. And then when they are getting better, I'm like, wow, like he's validating it. I don't know. Like he's just a really good tweeter. Yeah, well, you know, he's a he's a good dude. He's a good yeah. dude. All right, so, gentlemen, where would you like to start on the show today? Um, not all at once. Okay, okay, um, okay. So last episode, <laughs> we, well, you did an excellent line when you talked about talking about the Leafs and the Habs, and you're like, well, there is nothing because they didn't play, so we'll go with the Leafs. We'll go with the Habs and then the Leafs. Okay. Uh. Well, I guess of of the two of them, I think the the biggest story we can start with the Canadians because they've done it. They've broken the curse. The last game of the season, wearing the retro reverse jerseys, they win. Um. You know, I will say this. I thought it was a bit of a sad performance from the Islanders, considering they've been playing games and this was the Habs' first game back after the All Star break. Um. You know, credit to the Canadians. They didn't look as rusty as I thought they would, but. Uh, inexcusable game from the Islanders. They didn't look great. They did not look great. Um, big story of it, of course, is Mike Hoffman. Penalty in the end of overtime. It gets killed off, gets the breakaway after a great pass. Doesn't quite score, but then in comes Mike Mathis and he wins the game. Preceded by a seven-minute overtime goal review. That Again, the review took longer than overtime did. Um, eventually it was deemed a good goal. He checked it for offside. And it was that kind of thing of fumbling at the line. Does he really have possession? Justin Bourne said that he didn't. I don't care. Uh, I didn't really think it affected play that much, to be honest with you. That because yeah, it was a horrible uh, afternoon anyways. So yeah, yeah great. Yeah, they, they won a game. Let's burn down, you know, a building or something. It's like, come on, relax guys. Come on, Patrick, relax. It's okay. It's all right. Um, there was a really funny quote, by the way, about Marty St. Louis and the jerseys. We'll get to that in a second here. Um, the big thing I want to talk about in this game is um, that review. Because here's the thing: I I was mutual to the sort of I was indifferent to whether the Canadians, if they had won or lost that game, I was indifferent to it because um, my expectations were low. But what I don't see, this is what guys bothers me about this league sometimes, and I think this is what doesn't help if you're a new fan is a seven-minute review. I just don't know. It. This is when we have to put time limits on these reviews because otherwise it just drones on. And it's like, if you can't get it right in two minutes, then it's not conclusive enough to overturn. Like, I just, I, I don't, I didn't like it. Again, I didn't care if Montreal lost or won that game, but come on now. Yeah, th- there's got to be some sort of, uh, middle ground. It, it can't be we have these endless reviews, and it can't be that we don't have. Like I, I just don't think there's an option where there's these reviews just don't exist. There's some middle ground where there's a time limit, um, or or or, or something. It, it, you can't have seven minute 
reviews, especially for overtime. Like, it's just a bit excessive. What's tough is the the sorry Daniel just just one quick okay. thing the Islanders were half leaving the ice half the team was down the tunnel too before the assistant coaches were like hold on a minute go ahead That's, yeah um I don't know it just I guess for 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 two ways you're seeing it. it's just like the momentum of everything that's going on that you're really gonna wait for this long for a call to happen when like you said like it's it's longer than overtime it's longer than what's supposed to be shown on the ice and it, it was just it's just something that i just kind of feel like oh it's just dragging on not just from like a fan perspective but seeing it like if you are a player it's like w- like what's going on here like can you give us more clarity of what's kind of going on did anyone just hear a whistle or am i going insane no no i heard it too it was for a second okay a whistle it's like a it's like the golden snitch has gone by you know well, um, that's Ominous. <laughs> no, no, the snitch is good. Remember, it's okay. a quidditch. I thought oh. people don't like snitches. Okay, not like that. Okay. <laughs> oh, if snitches, I missed anything, snitches Daniel, get stitches. Yes. In your puns, I've, I've missed those a lot. Um, by the way, shout out after the game when Marty Louis was asked about the review and all he uh, he said, all I could think about were those damn blue jerseys. Uh, also, Marty Saint Louis saying, uh, "Listen, I don't know what's going to happen next year, but hopefully not these jerseys." He basically had this line. He's like, you know, there are people who probably look at these jerseys who played for this team 50 years ago and wonder, why the hell are you wearing blue? <laughs> uh, saying maybe the hockey gods basically went and they deserved it. I love how he waited until after the last game they were wearing them. <laughs> just, uh, he's always a great croak, Marty, but I don't know what's happening next year. Just hopefully it's not these jerseys. So Might big question the- here. Yeah. I think it's the most important. Yeah. Is Adam buying a retro reverse jersey? Oh, no. No? Okay. Even if it's like 75% off? No. No. Really? Okay. Because I'm not going to wear it. Okay. You're not going to like look at it fondly and remember the Montreal Expos? See, here's the thing is the Canadians, their their normal home jersey is a good jersey. I think it's objectively one of the best in hockey. Road Mm -hmm. jersey is iconic, right? You know, that's, that's the... Because back in the day when those used to be the white ones over the home jerseys. And yeah. that. Again, it's an iconic, it's a simple, it's a, it's a fine jersey. It's a good jersey. I'm not the biggest fan of road jerseys in the NHL because I think they all look the same. But, you know, it is what it is. The only one of their, like, third jerseys or whatever that I've ever really liked is the 2015 uh, or 16 Winter Classic one against Boston. I love that. I've said it multiple times. I love that jersey. I would buy that. But this one, no. The, the dark blue one before, no. Um, yeah, I just I just don't think it looks it didn't look good this one. The the longer I looked at the baby blue one and the more I saw it, the less I liked it. Yeah. When the one from the COVID shortened year was at least it was nice. I didn't hate looking at it. This one was just ugly. I love like how quickly I, yeah. I love how quickly the demise of this jersey. I just it's so funny to me. It's just if this doesn't tell you, you know, people talk about the stick in the mud that is the tradition sometimes in Montreal. Um, I think if there's one thing that you can keep old school, keep the jerseys the same. Again, it was a money-making thing. We all kind of know that's what the retros were, but I, I don't think we need it anymore. Also, how is it retro? I just don't understand. Half these jerseys aren't retro. It's literally just their current jersey that was blue instead of red. It literally – it is it a thing to the Expos? Yeah, but if you really wanted to, you should have gone all the way and do something with the logo, but they didn't. So, 
um, yeah, it was it was a stretch to call it retro reverts. It's kind of like Seattle doing it, and it's like that's just. Oh, I'm gonna always remember their iconic jerseys of the past. Seattle. Yeah, I um, I mean, they could have they could have yeah. gone that back that far if they wanted to, but they didn't. Like the best, jer- I again tangent, my bad. But like the best jerseys from that collection in my mind are the literal ones that are retro reverse. The Wild, the Penguins, the Kings. The Caps. The Caps. Great one. Oh, I like the Sharks. I know it's really. Oh, I the yeah, the Sharks. But that, and that's literal retro. That goes yeah. back, right? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Whatever. Can I say, by the way, um, one thing I did like about the All-Star game, because we're talking about jerseys, I like how in the skills competition they had everyone wearing the retro reverses. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know, like Eric Carlson looks great in the Golden Seals jersey. I just it was amazing. I love this. Most story. iconic photo from that weekend. Well, Eric Carlson, Carlson speaking to Brady Kachuk. I'm like, I don't know, it's just so odd. Okay, I thought you meant the <laughs> one where it's like he was with his daughter. I was like, yeah, it was adorable, but you want the the Brady. The, yeah. the I, I like that though. Um, well, they used to do been. that before. Um, in older All Star weekends, like they always wore their alternate jersey. Which I thought was cool. Man, keep it up. I I think it's nice. It's I'm always for seeing like new creative jerseys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, too bad. Most of Jersey news has been everything with you know teams not wearing their pride ones. That's kind of annoying. But you know, um, the Islanders were the newest ones not to do, it, and there was a bunch of hoopla. It's about a very Lou thing. I don't know. Just when I read it, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, but then it was military appreciation jerseys were worn, and it's like okay, I, you don't have any benefit of the doubt anymore. It's yeah, mm. but it's it's a story we've we've talked about it before, but um the NHL have opened the door there and what did Gary Bettman say? Ah, you know, everyone do what they want. He didn't shut it down, which was typical Gary Bettman, but um Jordan Harris got an extension. Last thing on the house we can quickly mention here. Uh two years, one point four million dollars is the AA. The underlying numbers from Borzen really good. Um it's a fine deal. Just a it's a fine deal. Nothing special. I think Dom's model had it where there's a little bit of market value there. Um, yeah. I like him. Yeah, I mean, he's probably That's a never. A boy. He's never going to be more than a five D, probably. But you know, we can dream. I like him. He's a good character guy too. His quotes about he was calling out the Jersey stuff and all that too. I, I'm a big fan of Jordan Harris. I would like it if other Habs defensive prospects could have the same mentality of Jordan Harris. Well, I'll say there. Um, yes, again, you guys have a thoughts on the deal or whatever. Uh, no, I mean, again, I, echoing what you said for the most part, for a, a lineup that I would argue they're and they're not all there yet, but to have a that to have a guy like that as a fifth or sixth option is really not the the worst thing in the world, and he's still young. There's a lot of room for improvement. I'd like to say, look how far we've come from wondering if he's going to sign to signing extension. Man, I'll tell you, is Mark Bergevin caused a lot of anxiety to this fan base. Um, Kent Hughes, I'm, I'm confident with. I'll, I'll always say that is, there's like I, I, I feel safe with Kent Hughes. Mark Bergevin was always uh, felt like living on the on the edge of a cliff. God, I hated him. Now he's in LA. Can't stand it. Okay, um, another extension we can talk about now. Jordan Harris is mainly a defensive defenseman. We can go to the extreme other side of the spectrum and look at a very uh, depth defenseman, great offensive numbers. Gets an extension, one point one million dollars is the AAV on that one. I believe it's two years as well. Um, and that's Connor Timmins for the Leafs. How do they feel about it. that guy's deal? I love it. I like the guy. I always liked him. 
right handy. No such thing as too many too many yeah. D signed. He just needed a chance. I think I've said this before. He just needed a chance. He wasn't gonna get in Colorado. Arizona was like here and there, and then he goes to Toronto and he showed what he can do. It's still a young guy. Uh, yeah, and I mean like him not getting injured definitely helps. The last couple of years have uh, definitely been very injury uh, riddled for him. So for him to have this stretch where uh, the Leafs have needed more than six defensemen to have a guy like him come out and be able to produce is definitely good. And uh, he spent some time next to multiple Defenseman, I think the best partner for him so far has been uh, Giordano or Brody. Um, but again, like similar to Jordan Harris in the sense that like there's no I, – I don't look at him and say, well, we've got a top 4D. This guy is probably going to be on the third pairing and like, you know, looking forward to next year probably your third pairing guy if Justin Hall's not back. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, Timmons is, is Timmons a right D? I feel yeah. like he, okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Again, no such thing as having too many right D either. It's one of the, one of the big things. Exactly. Uh, Matt, yeah, Matt Murray is on IR. I don't, I think in Kyle Dubas's, pre- did we all watch pre- Dubas's press conference, by the way? Yeah. Media yeah. availability, whatever. Okay, uh-huh. he, he said on that um, it was a requirement that he needed to just go on. I think it's like over a certain amount of days, but he should be fine. Um, you know, that's fine. I mean, like, you have the option of not having, like, sorry, let me rephrase this. You have the ability to not have to force him to play through injury again. Um, and not Matt Murray in particular, more so you look at last year and two years ago and three years ago uh, with Campbell and Anderson and Anderson again, you were kind of forced to play him, uh, play those guys because you didn't really trust what was behind them. Um, And now you kind of have, again, hashtag team Samsonov over here. You have that option to play Samsonov and then, you know, whatever comes behind them while um, Shalgren is is it great but who has a great third goaltender other than carolina like they're the only team in this league who has a great third goaltender maybe buffalo but lucan and uh lucan and was sure very yeah, yeah. legend of That's craig fine. anderson continues yes i mean yeah yes. he's <laughs> a, yeah but no it's um is kochekov playing like he did he get called back up I know they're basically doing it for cap reasons, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned. Yeah, they are the he's the yeah. only guy that you can even like start to think about. But Anthony Rotna, yeah, he was already kind of. It's a flip flop. Not letting him. One play. of those two are are injured. I mean, they're probably just buying time, and you can. It's pretty safe to say Kochekov is going to be number one next year. It's just they're stuck with Ronta and thinking. By the way, Alec Freeman did say in thirty two thoughts the blog. It is unlikely that the Leafs go and do a goalie move unless it's a definitive upgrade. Um, I don't know why Kipper and Bourne were talking about UC Soros a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Nashville re- re- refuses to rebuild. <laughs> I mean, you're you're right. You are right. You are right. Um, and that feels like if you're doing that, it's a summer move too. Yeah, it's just me. But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't trade Soros. No, you can't. I don't like trading goalies. I don't like doing it. It's just a. You can't give up on them, or it's just they're difficult to get. If you know you have something in the goalie, keep them. Uh, so he's Soros. He's like a top three. You know me. I'm a big Soros guy. But I don't know, I man. They got a guy coming up. 
I mean, I mean, okay. all of that video yesterday. Did you? So, I, I posted it on the Instagram. Oh, I saw. <laughs> Anyone who didn't see it, Skarov makes a great. It was like a forty-four state performance. Wins in the shootout with Milwaukee, and then starts bench pressing his neck. <laughs> was a Lalongo's tweet? How irresponsible he needs to get a spotter next time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, yeah, but you need two goalies nowadays, I right? Know, I know. You yeah. need two goalies. You need two. Okay, so maybe I have a bias here because I got to meet Joe Law and talk to him, and you know, great guy. Um, I wrote a story about his comeback after eight months, so I was cheering for him yesterday. Yeah, I mean, like last night was a last night was a game. He what was it? He he. It was a very quiet first period for him, and then the yeah. Leafs just Justin Hall specifically did him no favors. Riley wasn't great too, but it was, you know, just fa- listen, him. listen. Let let me put it like this. I I know every time the Leafs have a bad game, we start with Justin Hall, dude. That was not. That was he was not the problem. Like he was a problem. He was not the issue. That was a half-assed effort game. Like let's be let's be frank about what that was. That was a half-assed effort game on the defensive end. You know what? Um, listen, I'll give Justin, this is what I'll say to that. I'll, I'll give Justin Hall the benefit of the doubt because he hasn't had such a spotlight performance like that since the beginning of the year. Um, maybe I just, there's something about, I like writing Justin Hall. Um, but Hey, I mean, yeah, no, it was a, you don't get outshot like 22 to 14 or something in a period without it being a group effort. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that Justin Hall was a problem. I'm just saying like, I don't understand why we continue to single him out when we watch what we watch. It's mind like bu- it, 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 It's it probably it's the Jay yeah. Gardner effect. You had yeah. to find someone new because this fan base, this city. Because let's not let's be frank. It's not just a hockey thing. They pick their player in every on every single team. I'm sure Daniel, you could you could tell. Look, they did it with Bo for like two months. He made one mistake. Yeah. And they did it for it with him for two months until he resigned. Like it, it they just oh, need to, yeah, Bo, sorry, yeah, yeah Bo. Okay. They just need to need to find a scapegoat because they, yeah, whatever. It's besides the point, but it's another one of my tangents. But yeah, but, I, I don't disagree. It's just watch the game. You know, I'm gonna sit call this the Dark Knight effect. Remember, <clears throat> we we all watch the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So remember at the end where they're, they're like they're going to reverse everything when they find out what Harvey did, mm-hmm. and then Batman's like, "No, say I did it." So it's like you always need someone to blame for your problems. Yeah. Yeah. I'm literally. not saying Justin Hall is Batman, but okay. I was about to say he's more a Green Arrow <laughs> level hero to be honest. But it, it is it is similar to that, right? That like if things are not going well, it's like okay, well, who are we going to blame today? And Listen. people, and we can't blame William Nylander because we're past that. Fantasy goat, fantasy goat. Even though my goaltenders just continue to bend me over this year. Thanks for nothing, Matt Murray. By the way, bastard. You picked this. That that's fully on you. That's yeah, fully on you. Well, because Markstrom laid an egg. I didn't have anyone else, and that's... I needed to trade Vanacek to go get David Pasternak, which is a move I would. I think we all all would do every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it. We got to figure it out, Daniel. Yes. You have extra goaltenders. 
I do. We'll talk after the we'll, we'll talk. talk. We'll talk. So you yeah. traded let me under wait a second. You traded Vanacek for David Pasternak. Who had David Pasternak? Donald. I oh gave my more God. than Vanacek. Oh Hold on. God. Hold on. Oh my God. I gave more than- I saw the trades he was throwing. He was he was accepting. Someone's someone's doing some back deal. But I don't I don't I don't like those trades. I saw no, no, no. I'm not gonna let this tam- 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 gonna- No, 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 no. Hold on. Allow <laughs> me to defend myself. First off, I messaged Donald and I have been talking about posture and I all year. All year. And I told him, mm. I'm like, Donald, you tell me what you want. I gave him. Sorry, uh, let me let's let's put that into context. You asked the guy who willingly admits he doesn't know much about hockey who he wants. So let me read you the trade. Him, yeah, okay. Go let ahead. me read because I want to read you the second trade he made with Mike. So Mike's you got words. you got Pasternak. You get he got Vanacek, Beniers, and Barzell. Now wait, this is the other trade. He traded away. Mika Zibanejad and Igor Shosturkin for Alex Georgiev, Josh Morrissey, Vincent Trocek, and Philip Forsberg. That, this, I have problems. Mine's nowhere near. I, I have massive problems. The collective you know, points of mine, guys, it matches up a lot more than what Mike gave him. Mike gave him scraps. Problems. Mike bent him over. I was being fair about it. I'd like to make a change to the rules. Um, every time. We do a trade with Donald. We have to put it in NBA terms before it is yeah. accepted. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Listen, I I, I, I will agree that Mike's was bad, and I told I Mike agree. that was bad. That was bad. That's Mike blatant. Was a lot more fair. That's blatant. Blatant. You know, like, see, we literally, Mike. Here's what's annoying about what Mike did. He got Rangers, include former Rangers. He gave me crap because I went, oh, Cole Caulfield, great player. But that son of a bitch went out there and got every Ranger he could. How dare you, Mike? How dare you? I'm just saying, listen, uh, I, I, I I, don't think I deserve the same level of criticism as Mike did. Um, we should keep going, though. because mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about Libor Hayek? No. I don't care about Libor Hayek. He was placed on waivers and he was not claimed. I mean, you know, instead of Libor Hayek, we can talk about, you know, the trade. The trade. That, you know, got him waived. So. So we're going to talk about Kyrie or KD? I'm just joking. Or Westbrook. <laughs> Or five second round picks. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Okay, so Vladimir Tarasenko, one of my favorite players, is now a member of the New York Rangers. Uh, Biggest trade of the week, fair to say. Mm -hmm. The trade is to the New York Rangers. In in hockey, yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, no, different sport. (laughs) Not not in the city of New York. Alex, this is a hockey podcast. (laughs) No, yeah, no, not even in the in the the city of New York. This is true. Well, no, 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 the state, sorry, Jersey, technically, aren't they? No, they're in Brooklyn. in Brooklyn. Okay, that doesn't even okay. In the state of New York. Listen. The state, I hate that. Okay, listen. Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola, the thug on ice, we can call him, goes to the New York Rangers in exchange. St. Louis will receive a conditional 2023 first round pick. It will be the later of either New York's or Dallas's pick. Obviously, the Dallas pick is from the Nils Lundquist trade, if anyone doesn't remember. Um, defensive prospect I've never heard of named Hunter Skinner. And they uh, they also get a conditional 2024 fourth round pick. Uh, the Blues retain half the salary. And oh, yeah, they also get Sammy Blay back. So uh, that trade was a the, the Boots Nevitz trade comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Tarasenko did score in his first game with the Rangers, by the way. Great what goal. do you think of the trade? For the Rangers, first off, 
we'll go to St. Louis in a second because I have a theory. Uh, first off, I'm disappointed you don't know Hunter Skinner. You clearly haven't played too much uh, GM mode in NHL. Uh, I just want to say. I just, I just want to point that out. Uh, from a Rangers Hogwarts per- legacy. Yeah. Uh, from a... <laughs> From a Rangers perspective, um, I mean, does it not fit exactly what they need? Like, I, I, I don't. If they, if they were worried about Kane and his hip injury, I think we'll get to that. Vladimir Tarasenko was the second fit. Again, I was the guy on the show a couple of weeks ago who suggested Timo Meyer. I'd still be on on the train for that, but whatever. Um, I think it was a it was a good deal like for the Rangers in terms of what they're looking for. He literally scored a goal in his first game, and then last night Artemi Panarin had four goals. So I think it's 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 working. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think okay. So when we mentioned Patrick Kane. I'm just gonna say it quick, but I think Tarasenko is someone that is at a nev- different level in terms of where they are in terms like in terms of how they bounce back from an injury. If they're going to have concerned about the hip for Patrick Kane, I think Tarasenko is a perfect example of we have a better idea of what we're getting a guy post-surgery, post-long-term injury. And I think it just kind of was what the Rangers needed. We always talked about how they had so much potential from their wingers to score, but I, I just wasn't seeing what I wanted to see from their former top picks. So getting Tarasenko there now... Kind of shows that they are being serious about making another run, whether it's going to be the Western, the Western, the Eastern Conference Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, maybe. And they don't give, they didn't give a whole lot for it. I, I think it was great because I think Frank Cervelli is the one who mentioned is that the Rangers are one of those rare teams that they, they we could consider them a contender, and they had multiple first round picks. Mm-hmm. So there's no risk here. I think you know if you're going to look at Niels Lundqvist becoming. You know, Nils Lundqvist and assets becoming Tarasenko, then I think it's a solid deal. Listen, I mean, you, you look at, I think on D, it's safe to say the Rangers are set, and that's why Lundqvist wanted out, right? You know, their D is already, beside Adam Fox being probably Eric Carlson's best competitor for the Norris Trophy this year, um, it's just a murderer's row. I mean, Truba has become the new Dustin Bufflin. Um, Keandre Miller's had a fantastic season, offensively picking it up too. Uh, and then just adding, obviously, the goaltending. Halak's been won like seven straight as a backup. Shisterkin, Shisterkin. The kid line has been good, apparently, from what I understand. I don't watch a lot of the Rangers hockey, but it's been it's been doing its thing. So I don't know who's been uh, like normally on that top line. If whether it's like they've juggled those like Jimmy VC and that. They have the depth, so getting a guy who we know is capable of forty goals like Tarasenko, like I'll take. Obviously, he's been down this year, but the Blues have been a mess, and I think you can count a lot more in Tarasenko than it feels like is the ghost of Patrick Kane. And this is where we can go to Patrick Kane. I think it's safe to say. Um, and so you know, before we do, actually, um, Daniel, you mentioned they didn't give up a lot. Okay, call me crazy here, guys, but I am wondering if this is what the value of a twenty twenty three pick is. And we don't see a better prospect or something going the other way because this is what teams are valuing these first rounders this year. Am I crazy? Or is it that Tarasenko, you know, we knew he wanted out, he wasn't going to stay, and you know, the value wasn't quite there if you're another team. 
I think that's fair because we looked at last year and what was the price of the Rangers' first round pick? It was Andrew Cobb. Oh, and yeah, I about that. I know that was conditional, but I think jumping on this a bit earlier and seeing what you can get in a what might be one of the most you know talented drafts in the last few years. I think you go for it if you're St. Louis. You, I don't know if they're going to do a retool, what they're going to do with the other contract, because we ha- we're going to talk about Ryan O'Reilly for sure in the next few weeks. And yep. I-, I like that point you you did give up. You you did give that maybe there is a lot more to value towards these first round picks. Yeah, I'm I'm. Yeah. I think. It depends on how deep you think this draft is. Like, I'm not, I know the top 10 is ridiculous. But at this, I feel like we have this conversation every year where it's like, no one, teams say they don't want to give up their first round pick and then end up giving up their first round pick. Unless you're in Toronto, then that doesn't happen because Nick Foligno absolutely screwed everything up. Um, I, I think it's a mix of, I think it's a a mix of both. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I could see where you're coming from, like the value of that first round pick being more. But at the same time, like you're getting Tarasenko is not re-signing, right? In New York. Everyone kind of has that understanding, right? No, it's worst kept secret in St. Louis. Like, But no, no, he's not sign, re-signing in New York either. Oh, yeah, no, no. He's, and he's not re-signing in St. Louis. Like, it's just... I don't think the value was as high. As, listen, if you're tied, Teres, training Tarasenko in the summer versus training Tarasenko now, I think the value is definitely completely different. Oh, yeah. Well, in the summer, you're probably only going to get like a fourth for a signing rights probably, right? No, no. Last summer. Oh, last summer. Okay. Last okay. summer. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So, Patrick Keane, we, we've danced around it. This is Emily Kaplan on Twitter. Uh, according to sources, uh, the Rangers targeted Tarasenko, a player they long coveted and decided to go for it after feeling the asking price for Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane were too high. Also sounds like New York had some concerns over Kane's hip injury. It doesn't sound like the Rangers got to asking price point of discussions with Blackhawks because Ball is still in Patrick Kane's court coming to Chicago with what he wants to do. But the Rangers didn't uh, want to wait on him and also had concerns about his hip. Okay, so it's more about like okay, I I I want to talk about how I'm annoyed with Patrick Kane because we got to get to this other stuff from Charlie. I'm gonna try and say this guy's name. Rome Leotis. Yes, sorry, man. Patrick Kane of Vladimir Tarasenko's trade to the Rangers. Quote: It's not like the happiest I've been to hear about a trade. I think the Rangers are a team that you definitely pay attention to, and are definitely intrigued by for obvious reasons. Um, and then him, if he had the Rangers on his radar, if things were going to happen, that was the team I was definitely looking at. It seems like they kind of filled their void and went ahead and made a deal. So it is what it is. And then he was asked about his, if, if his hip injury is overblown. He said, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure what the story is, to be honest with you, but I feel better than I did last year. It's just one of those things that maybe the story leaks out and it piles up a bit. And then one more thing says he expects to make a decision within the next 10 days about his future. Obviously you want to do right by the franchise and the organization here. Um, they've been amazing to me and all this kind of guy, you know, wants to do the best for both sides. Okay. 
Um, first off, I want to make clear, I'm not upset that Patrick Kane was honest with us. I love that. That's one of the best Patrick Kane quotes I've ever seen. Um, but I am still going to now rip Patrick Kane. Uh, listen, man, the longer you wait, the more chance that moves are going to get made. Um, and I don't think he's ever going to go out and be public about a hip injury because then that just gives even more free reign for people to go after you on the ice, even though they probably already are right now. Man, 10 days before the deadline isn't a lot of time. That's all I'm going to say, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go, you got to make it up, man. I get it's a difficult decision for him, but at the same time, I don't think anyone has any sympathy for Patrick Kane anymore, given sure. what happened lately. But what's the worst case? Worst case here, like he this isn't up- a Pat. This isn't a Patrick Kane problem. This is a yeah, Chicago it's- Black. No, it's not. He doesn't want to leave. This is a Chicago Blackhawks problem that they haven't. That he, he's. He wants to be a Blackhawk. The, the the whole we've spent the last six months talking since they traded DeBrincat and Kirby Doc about how man Jonathan Tace had a, a interview last year where he's like I don't know if we're rebuilding. I'm like dude, you might be rebuilding, and how he wants to stay in Chicago. Kane says the same thing. This is a Chicago Blackhawks problem what's the the worst case for Patrick Kane is he plays out the season with the Blackhawks he may or may not resign there and they may or may not have Connor Bedard next year this is not a Patrick Kane problem this is a Chicago Blackhawks problem if they can't get assets from because neither of them want to move he wanted to be a Ranger though he said I don't, but he also has said consistently, both him and Taze have said consistently that they would love to be black. They would love to be Blackhawks throughout the season. They've said that they've, they, if he wanted to be a Ranger, he would have made that decision now. I think the quote is just honest. I, I don't like this. I, I don't think this is a Patrick Kane problem personally. Daniel? I, I don't know. I think he's a conflicted guy. <laughs> I think that um, we could see the Patrick Kane of the Chicago legacy affecting, you know, clouding things. But that we also see the competitive nature that we see with these players is this guy hasn't been in a winning situation in a long time, in a really long time. And I think he's looking at what, the options are now, especially his contract, where he is in his age, what he can do to a team, how he's still playing right now. And I think the first thing I mentioned, you're going to have to try to just not think about that because, you know, other legends have been traded before. Other, you know, well-known guys have been traded before. And I think the Blackhawks are a team that, yeah, like I know it's a very, very different level with Taves and Kane, but others have been traded before. Duncan Keith was traded. Brent Seabrook was technically traded. Um, you know, <laughs> the in the offseason, the guys that we thought were going to be the builders of the next Chicago team, what it may look like, are all gone. Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubalik, Alex DeBrincat, um, Kirby Doc. So I think it's just about, all about business. I think the Blackhawks are really trying to get what they want out of Patrick Kane as much as they want but for me it just doesn't make sense like I think it is the ball is in the Blackhawks court that they just have to make a decision right now whether or not Patrick Kane says something like that 
he does he have a full no move? Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh god. Okay. I think that's all on that note. There's so much. By the way, um, from the sense just now, uh, Jake Sanderson, you upper body injury, uh, minimum out two weeks, and Antoine Forsberg, scary scene last night apparently, but moving all his extremities and all that afterwards, uh, out indefinitely, right and left knee MCL. Um, what a shame. What a shame. Yeah. Love me, Antoine Forsberg, too. So um, if the Sens had any sort of hope of maybe pushing for a wild card spot, um, that's going to look difficult. It's going to look difficult. Okay. Um, here's where we are now. A lot of stuff uh, about trade speculation. Okay. I'm going to quickly blast through this. And mm-hmm. if there's anything in particular you guys want to talk about, let me know afterwards. And then after that, I want to focus on Dubis's press conference and talk about the Leafs could do at the deadline. I'll mention them in passing here, but I don't want to spend an hour on this. And I don't think anyone wants to listen to that. Um, this is from like the last few days. So here we go. Okay. Fire. Elliot Friedman last night, 32 thoughts. Vitaly Kravtsov was scratched last night from the Rangers. He might be made available. Great to see that's happening again. Uh, Jeff Merrick, Lil Burt, Petruzzi, the young man UFA this year, is apparently out there for Detroit. Uh, Dallas could be a fit to play with Tyler Sagan. Um, Edmonton and Tampa Bay also have value uh, interested in two. Of course, Tampa Bay do. Mentions James Van Riemsdyk. James Van Riemsdyk, sorry. Mentions that fits could be the Winnipeg Jets, the Minnesota Wild, and the Vegas Golden Knights' Max Pacioretty's injury. No, that's Carolina, Adam. Ignore me. Um, anyway, though, um, Mark Stone, I mean, his injury could probably help get him that. Uh, okay. Uh, Elliot Freeman as well last night, 32 thoughts. Talks heating up around Luke Shen. Apparently, he is open to staying in Vancouver doing extension. Besides that, Calgary and Boston amongst the teams that are interested. Um, Besser may have to wait for Timo Meyer to move. Boston linked to Chikorin and Gabrikov. Uh, Toronto as well. That was also from the podcast as well. Some of this may overlap. Bear with me. Ellie Freeman as well. Uh, there is a path for a Nikita Zaitsev deal from Ottawa. It's apparently going to be out west. So Vancouver speculate about Zaitsev for Timo, uh, for uh, Tyler Myers again. Mm-hmm. Building from a tweet from Crypto Bro Chris Johnson that the Oilers now are apparently talking about Eric Carlson with San Jose again. Um, Elliot, I'm sorry, Jeff Merrick talking about the Oilers basically want a puck moving defenseman, but to make it work for Edmonton, Carlson basically needs to be a 6.5 to $7 million player. He's at 11.5 right now. Speculated that Shane Gossespierre could be another target for Edmonton. Note on Edmonton, Yamamoto returns on Wednesday, so Tuesday could be the day that Jesse Pugliarby gets waived. By the way, also it was said, I can't find the reporter's name. That's on me that it's unlikely that Carlson ends up being an oiler, but there is a chance by it. That's pretty funny. Uh, Jacob Chickren out last night for trade reasons. The Coyotes were very open about it. Jeff Merrick goes on, basically, it's not Edmonton, it's not Toronto. L.A. were uh, throwing cold water on it, but basically he mentioned last night was Dustin Brown's number retirement, so maybe they're kind of keeping it quiet. And Frank Saravelli also pointed out there's a lot of fire, sorry, a lot of smoke around the Kings and uh, Chikorin, but there has been no fire with that smoke. Hold on, okay. few more things here. Uh, just a few notes from 32 Thoughts and... Um, Okay, two things from Pierre Maguire. 
Shark, no, pure LeBron, not McGuire. LeBron. Sharks haven't given permission yet to Timo Myers camp to speak directly to teams about an extension. Expectations that that will happen closer to offers being firmed up. Devils and Kane still among several teams very much interested. The Rangers are looking at it and thinking, good, we, we got our business done earlier. Also, Pierre LeBron, Jake McCabe, remember that name for later, is drawing steady interest from contenders signed for two more years after this season at $4 million. Sense from sources around the league is the asking price must include a first-round pick, and if Hawks retain making him a $2 million, the price uh, continues to go up for that. And I already mentioned Gavrikov and Luke Shen. I don't remember I also mentioned the Bruins. The Bruins have looked into Chickering as well. If I did, my apologies. That should be everything around the trade rumor front from the past few days from reliable people. I'm not listing the random YouTubers using crap thumbnails. Okay. I love that. Thank you, Adam. That was Before really Before we go to Dubas and the Leafs and trade stuff there, anyone want to talk about any of that? Yes. Okay. I want to talk about the irony of the Oilers being linked to Eric Carlson because <laughs> I think I I can't wait to read the reports out of Edmonton when they decide to talk about that because I've read they've been crapping on the idea of acquiring Jacob Chickering um for months now because he's a quote unquote offensive defenseman. And I can't wait to hear what we they say about Eric Carlson. And also, is Ken Holland really gonna move three first round picks for Eric Carlson? Because that was what the reports that was what someone reported. I'm not saying it's true. That's what someone reported. I I just I I don't know about that. It'd be crazy because you're doubling down on what you're good at. I don't know about that. That'd be absolutely insane. I know it'd be okay. Yeah, we've talked about it, Adam. The power play. It's just, oh my gosh, like how? I don't. I think okay. This is like the biggest thing, you know. This is like how can you actually fit that in the puzzle? This cap hit for these many years with Eric Carlson. Like, I'm like, what's another bad contract? I mean, what you see, Puliarvi, and then so the three first round picks. If they want to make Carlson a $7 million defenseman, we'll just say that, and we'll just make it work for this offseason, sorry, for this year, and then they can figure it out in the offseason. Because it has to be dollar in, dollar out is the word. So obviously, first and foremost, yeah, you have to move, um, as you've mentioned, Bully Harvey, who is off the top of my head, $3 million. million. So you've got to move another $4 million. You would assume you throw a defenseman back if you could make it. You're not moving Brett Kulak. Um, Maybe Cody Cece, and that's $3.2 million. I I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works, man. I think they should send back Evander Kane. Oh, my God. I mean. (laughs) I'm just joking, but. I mean, it would be funny. But um, um, I'm seeing like who's the other depth guys you could just throw in there like and they they I don't it's very unlikely I yeah it it, it there has to be a lot of leg work done there not to mention if they retain I, I think that's more than the sharks initially said they would retain yeah, yeah. that means the price is even going to go even more like it's going to raise even more so it's fun. Um, but no one knows anything about stupid prices more than crypto bro, Chris Johnson. Um, so, um, uh, um, yeah, it's unlikely. It's very unlikely. I'd love to see it though. It would be hilarious. I, you, they would, they would convert on every power play they've ever like for the rest of time. 
He's back, by the way, Eric Carlson. He's back. He is you back. called it the last I've three been, years, but now he is back. back. I Ooh. never gave up on him. Love you, Eric. Great guy. Okay, Kyle Dubas's press conference. Uh, he downplayed the idea of the Leafs taking a super big swing at the deadline. Um, it's been talked about. No, oh, he's probably lying in the. Oh, I'm not. We're not going to copy the SDP here. No, no, I'm not. I don't care. I'm not doing it. I mean, but okay. it's probably the truth. Has, yeah, I know. Has I, anyone learned anything from what he's done the last three or four years? He is. Whether people like it or not, what? Who did he learn from? Yeah, Lou Lamorello. Okay, what did do Lou Lamorello do last week? Uh, Horvat out of nowhere. But but what is what him. is when Lou has a press conference? What is he just so well known for doing? Saying stuff without actually giving you anything to chew on. Yeah. Empty calorie sentences. The hockey standard. That's what I heard. What what I mean here is okay. So yeah, GMs are never going to be super duper duper honest. Let's look at the actual names that make sense for Toronto. Yeah, okay, so okay. if it's a defenseman, safe to say they would like Shen or Gavrikov or Jake McCabe. Yeah. Now, I would assume if they do Jake McCabe, then I don't think that's a move you do to give up. I don't think that's a knives deal, but that's going to be a first in what, probably, to make it work? I only caps an issue right now because of Jake Muzzin's LTIR, but those are the names on defense. There's, okay, there's one point for the press conference I do want to mention. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're going to get to it or if I could say it right now. Go ahead, man. But it was just something that I thought that would be funny because he's like, he's not looking beyond this season. So does Cal Dubis do an Alex Andopoulos 2015? He's out of a contract in the summer anyways. And just empties the coffers. He he. To be fair, in that conference, he did also say no. He yeah. he didn't say he wasn't looking beyond. He was saying I'm doing what's best for the team. Yeah. He wasn't going to be outrageous. But so we're, we're not going to see a, a Alex Andopoulos kind of thing. It would be funny. Okay. Well then, great. let's let's talk about what is the big name. Is it simply Timo Meyer? Is it Ryan O'Reilly? Because those are. Probably the two big names, or do they revisit the Bertuzzi stuff? Because we know they've been interested in him. I know he's not as sexy a name, but I still think that's a. I think I really like the fit in your top Imagine six. Imagine him and Bunting. But, but Ale- oh god, it'd be awful. But Alex, like you said, boring to the the defenseman I named. Who yeah. is the big name you want? Timo Meyer. Okay. Like I, I personally like. Here's the thing, I look at is the defense. The defense is fine. It's good. It's fine. I don't care what anybody has to say. Like, let me pull this up real quick. Like, I, I just, I think this idea they have to get they're, they're literally in the top 10 of lowest goals allowed in the league i know that's a cr- not the best stat but i i don't care they're in the top 10 of lowest goals allowed you're really gonna tell me that jake mccabe's gonna change this team you need a game changer that's what they what have they what have they failed to do the last two years they have failed to get a game changer 
Look so, at what. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just no, no. Finish, finish your point because I want to revisit the Felino trade for a second. I, I, I think if you look at what the you look at what Boston did last year, they got Hampus Lindholm and then extended him. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. Look at what Tampa Bay did last year. They got Brendan Hagel. They paid a boatload for him. They got Brendan Hagel, who fine, middle six option, not as big of a game changer as Hampus Lindholm. They got um Brendan Hagel and they got Nick Paul. Go watch those. Go watch go watch that round one series. Go watch back and watch that round one series. Look at what Tampa did two years before. Now they had two first round picks. They gave up for Blake Holman and they gave it up for Barkley Goudreau. Again, middle six guys. What have the Leafs done? Who have they acquired? I'm trying to think. Last so last year's Giordano and um, cool. Blackwell. Blackwell, yeah, Blackwell. Because cool. um, here's the thing: people make a lot about the fact that Nick Felino has scarred Kyle Dubas. I don't buy that, especially because it has been talked about to death that alleged Hagel flurry deal that got nixed for whatever reason last year with with Toronto. Well, they didn't want Nye. They wanted Nye's and. Oh, that's what it was? It was knives? Okay. Pretty much. Um, Yeah, I don't buy the Felino thing. Listen. Why uh, not? Ken Holland hasn't made a trade since he traded two seconds for Andreas Athanasiu and and whatever for Mike Green. Because my thing is, if if Dubas is worried about making that big a splash because Felino, no offense to Felino, but it's like Nick Felino was at one level and Timo Meyer is like, what I mean is, if you're going to splash out, brother, there is – I don't think we've had a situation like this in a couple of years. I can't even remember specifically where the biggest name at the deadline is a guy who has control at the end of the year. Again, and Friedman did mention that the ha- on um, the last 32 Thoughts podcast that they're at least – they've talked about it mm-hmm. and about Timo Meyer, and maybe they go through the playoffs to see who performs and goes from there. So what I'm assuming is you would then maybe move – one, Someone. one, you know, one of I, I don't want to, I hate that my first thing is you trade Nylander, but like, <laughs> you know, one of those guys, one of the big four. Um, okay, well, let's be honest, yeah, it probably has to be Nylander. You're not trading Matthews and you're not trading Mario, but you know, to keep Meyer if he's I did, that's what just what I'm saying is, is this is the type of move that if I was a GM, I would not think twice about taking this big swing because I'm getting this type of player who works so well. I think he's already at 30 goals. Style of play works golden for the playoffs, and I will have control of this player. Um, sure. You know, and not to mention, if you have that sort of gusto, before people mention cap space and qualifying offers and you worry about Matthews, I think Matthews is going to be pretty damn happy if you make that big splash to show commitment of like, hey there, guys, I'm going to go get Timo Meyer for you. I'm agree. Obviously, I don't. I'm, I'm a Habs fan. I don't want the Leafs to win the cup. I don't want it to happen. I, I just don't. It's a pun for the podcast, but like I, you know, you know, I'm, uh, I, I like I like Vegas to win the cup this year. Maybe even the Rangers for my good friend. No, no, I don't want Chris Kreider to have the cup. That's not that's not happening. But you know, it, Kyle, do it or O'Reilly. That'd be sick. I mean, who knows? The third line center thing might be best, but they, don't do it, man. Come on, go get Meyer for the fun of it. Imagine the headlines around Twitter and all that. It would be a complete crapshoot, but it would be fun. Like, think about it like this. If you had a chance, Alex, let me ask you this. 
you guarantee the fact that you can make the final four if you could if but the condition is you have to trade Matthew knives See, I imagine uh, you would drive him to the airport bye you know what I mean yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent about Fraser Minton bye <laughs> I just wanted to add I'm not like listen I'm I, I'm not suggesting you clear the cupboard I'm not suggesting you go trade for who did they trade for Daniel David Price um was it and Troy Tulowitz and yeah. like I'm and not suggest like, that was you, in 24 hours he yeah like for both of them I'm not suggesting you clear the the, the clear the cupboards I'm suggesting go look at the impact that all those guys that Tampa and Boston have made that the guys they got in the last couple of years, the impact they've made on those teams, and then go revisit the impacts that the guys that the Leafs have gotten over the last few years. The only one that in the off the top of my head who has made a considerable impact is Mark Giordano, and he's forty years old. You know what I mean? Like you, they need to go get someone who's going to make an impact when it matters. And I'm sorry, like Mark Giordano's been great. Mark Giordano was was good in last season when he was with the Leafs, and he's considering his age ridiculous. They need to go and get a forward who can make an impact. I don't know who that is. If that's Timo Meyer, that's great. If it's Ryan O'Reilly, that's fine. Like again, coming off an injury, I'm all I would it's cool. I'd be weary about Ryan O'Reilly. That's just me. Yep. Hmm. Throw like Tyler Bertuzzi, very interesting name. Uh, Travis Connecting, I don't know if he's available. Again, very interesting name. You have yeah. control pass this year. Like, I, I just ever, everyone left that press conference thinking about a defenseman for whatever reason. The again, similar to the forward core, if you're going to add a defenseman, you need it needs to be an upgrade. Who is Jake McCabe an upgrade over? Justin Hall. He Carter plays Cameron. the right side. Yeah, but they both quality wise. Okay, but Jake McCabe plays the left. Who's he taking out of the lineup? That's true. Um, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So the obvious answers are Rasmus Sandin and Mark Giordano. But you're not taking Mark Giordano out of the lineup. No. And I guess you're taking Rasmus Sandin out of the lineup? Wasn't that like a really contentious thing last year? Uh, Lilligren was the contentious Lilligren, thing. Sorry, where yeah. they literally took Lilligren out to play Hall. And that sure as hell is not happening this year. Um, so, Nylander and Riley for Carlson and Meyer? No. First I, off, Riley's not going anywhere. I'm having fun. I know, but Riley's not going anywhere. I, I yeah, there's going to be a royal wedding, didn't you hear? What, him and Tessa? Are they getting married? Are they like yeah. engaged? Yeah, 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 they are. Who's? What are you talking about? I don't know. What's What's your royal wedding? What? Oh, no, that's the royal wedding in Canada. So, oh, okay. So yeah, so you, yeah you can't, they can't trade them now. Okay, hot. <laughs> I, I just don't want another deadline to go by where they make half-assed moves on guys who are not going to make an impact. Calling it Blackwell was fine for the fourth line, but he made no impact. He made no impact on this team last year. Okay. I'm still calling it. Dubis is going to... like. It's not going to be clear the cupboards, but it's going to be... you know, It's my potential last year. Um, I don't have an extension yet. This team needs to win. 
I'm going to make at least one big swing. So I believe if it's not Timo Meyer, I think what Tyler Pertuzzi. I like the Pertuzzi fit a lot. If you're not getting Meyer, I think Pertuzzi is a good fit, but that's true. Just- and you have the potential to resign him if you want. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. You just have to try and make the calls. I think that's the biggest thing and see what you can get. Okay. According to Brian Burke's book, I remember he mentioned that. Just you have to just pick up the phone. Great book. Great. Yeah. It's like the journalism sake. You gotta pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Um Kale McCarr is out for a little bit. Jeff oh Carter, who has not been good this year and has a long contract. Um bit of a dirty play. Speaking of Brian Burke. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yeah, yes. Um I just wanted to mention there's no discipline and one of the best players in the league got screwed because of it. Um, the Athletics 99 series is finally done. Wayne Gretzky was number one, not a surprise. Uh, Sean McIndoe was a fraud because he didn't have Carey Price on his ballot as one of the top 100 players of all time. Uh, and I like Sheena Goldman's work a lot. Bobby Orr at eight's a little bad. It's a little, come on. Come on. I like Lidster more than Orr, but come on. Come on. That's not good. That's not good at all. Yeah. The Norris bias. D- did you guys have anything on their overall list you wanted to mention? No. I'm I pretty just, sure I got spot the top four spot on. It's fun. It's like I didn't really pay attention to the rankings. I just really enjoyed the articles of each one. They it's were like, very yeah, they were great. Good. Tremendous writing. You know, I um for one of my classes, I was I wanted to almost mention the Gretzky one because you know, it was I almost I was almost kind of like when going into the Gretzky article, for an example, I was wondering like how are they gonna tackle Wayne Gretzky, and they didn't go for his numbers. They, in passing, would mention his records. But they talked about the reverence of him. You know, what I love mentioning is Wayne Gretzky's number was retired by the Oilers the month after I was born. You know, didn't watch Wayne Gretzky play. But there's that, that they, they set the scene, for anyone who hasn't read it, um, for, for his article, when he went to Fenway to cover the, the Boston-Pittsburgh game. Teams he'd never played for, obviously. But there's still the thing of, that's Wayne goddamn Gretzky. Again, the Carey Price one I loved. There are, they were amazing. I loved, loved, loved those articles. Everyone involved did such a good job. Again, like, don't agree with everyone's takes on some of their rankings. Um, but yeah, you're Daniel, I'm happy you brought up the quality of the work because they were any aspiring writer, especially like a hockey writer and that, go and read that. Sports period, any writer, to be honest, go read them. They were, they were great. They were really, really good. Um, so there he is, Daniel mentioning it. Um, but yeah, it, it's done. It's done. Uh, Carrie Price should be higher than 88, by the way, but you know, that's just me. I'll never stop thinking about it. Okay. Um, we have like 13 minutes before Baumgartner. No, I mean, you know, we already listened to Baumgartner talk. Um, is there anything else in the league you guys want to mention? Or, uh, uh I don't think so. I think good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, since we already did the Baumgartner interview, I'm gonna yeah. go grab another coffee before we end the show. You're getting a coffee? Yeah, since we're yeah, I'm gonna go grab a coffee, not for another segment or anything, just because we're done the Baumgartner interview already. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Um thank you for listening. Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. Social medias, we're on all of them. We'll see you later.